You're listening to Inclusive AF with Jackie Clayton and Katie Van Horn. Happy 2021. We're here, Jackie. Welcome. We made it to to the other side. (laughs) We we did. It was scarier than um, Y2K. Remember that? It was. Yes. At midnight, did you think all of your electronics were going to shut down? (laughs) I thought something was going to happen. I didn't know. By the way, that all of, <laughs> by the way, all the fireworks are going off in my neighborhood. I kind of felt that way. <laughs> I did too. I my dog and could hear him for miles. Oh, it was she just was running around the house and she starts looking at everybody. And then yesterday she did it again. So then we went outside and we could see him really far away. Couldn't hear them very well. Uh oh. By yeah. the way, <laughs> I. I'm, are they going off right now? Seriously? That's my husband and my oh. son. <laughs> I thought, no, I could not. I thought you were saying like someone was setting off fireworks right now. So um, by the way, this is Katie Van Horn. And this is Jackie Clayton. And welcome to the Inclusive AF Podcast 2021. <laughs> I feel like we need one of those. I'm always trying to shoot the... Um, so yeah, so this is actually, um, our first recording, you will be hearing it, you know, this won't be the first thing you hear in 2021 from us, but this will be our first recording of 2021. And we're actually doing part two of an episode that we have already sent out. And that is around, um, kind of the, okay, as a leader, you've made this proclamation or your CEO has made this proclamation and you're in HR and dealing with now what? So we talked during the last episode about recruiting, sourcing, some of those other pieces that obviously are extremely important. But one of the things we talked about was inclusive cultures. And so we're going to dig in a little bit deeper on that today, because I think that's one that, you know, I always say, and Jackie, I know you feel the same way, like you got to start with that inclusive culture first. And so what are some of the things to think about? And what are some of the things that come to mind when you think about that building of an inclusive culture what does that mean? What does that mean to you? What does that mean kind of as you think about it in an organization and as you talk about it to organizations? For me, when it starts, it starts with a hard line in the sand, right? Like this is the way it's going. And I think so many times we make exceptions when we start easing into some of these rules or changes, like we're going to test it out. This is not something that you can just test out. Um, You know, it has to be you know, and you need, you need help. That's the other part. You need a professional to come in and help you. And I'm not just saying that to boost our industry. It's just that it's a lot. And if you're not prepared for it, um, you won't succeed. You won't succeed. Agreed. And I think, you know, I am glad you said that. And yes, this is not a, some sort of sales pitch at all. It truly is just a, you don't even think about some of these things until you start digging in on them. And so, you know, obviously we talked about recruiting the last time and, you know, the, the kind of next step to that, if you think about like the employee life cycle is onboarding. So I want to dig in on onboarding. And part of that is also, you know, kind of the benefits comp conversation. And then, you know, all of the things that come after that, as you think about the employee life cycle. So from an onboarding perspective, I think for me, and I actually just, I, you know this, I've been scanning a lot of documents um, and going back over notes that I've had just to shred, shred, shred for 2021, 
clean out, do a uh, winter cleaning, cleaning, not a spring cleaning, but a winter cleaning. Um, and so it's been interesting to see some of my notes from some of the companies that I used to work for around onboarding and how, you know, that sets the tone for the employee relationship in such a huge way. So when you think onboarding, like what, what are the things, what are the things that you've done, you've seen, you've heard that you're like, that's awesome. I don't think I've seen anything that I've said, that's awesome. I think I've seen stuff like, whoa, have you considered more than that's awesome, right? I mean, it's like- More I of a, don't ever do that again. <laughs> yeah, I have to do the math. Like, did you consider everyone in this? The, the number mm -hmm. one thing that gets me with every single company, tell me if this hits with you, is that the, the one of the first things that you see are company days off, right? Mm -hmm. And it is skewed very heavily towards American and Christian opportunities, at least here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. You get 4th of July, Christmas, you know, President's Day, freaking Columbus Day, which is a whole separate episode. Mm -hmm. Like you get those days off and immediately, regardless of what you did through the interview process, what you did to attract the diverse candidates, whatever it is that immediately sets the tone with onboarding. Like, I feel like, you know, these are the holiday days, but you have to give people the opportunity to take off for um, holidays that they deem important. Cause it might not be a holy holiday um, or religious base that people need to take off. So that's one of the things that I think is important at least even to put a you know, we take these holidays off because they're bank holidays, mm -hmm. but, you know, we, uh, we would like to adopt all cultures, religions, and this and this, and give people the opportunity to take those day days off. That's the one that always gets me. And it's kind mm -hmm. of my litmus test to see how far people are going is how they discuss those. And personally, MLK day, if they don't, yeah, MLK day off, I get a little. Yes. Yes. So, I mean, I think we all know historically Arizona, we did at one point have lost the Super Bowl. I think that lost our minds, <laughs> lost our minds for a minute there and decided that MLK day was not one that we would celebrate any longer, but that was rectified very quickly. Thank goodness. Um, but yeah, I think that's a great one because I think it does it, like, especially if you're a global company and that's always, what's interesting to me too, is when you see global companies that just recognize us holidays or us bank holidays, and, and, and yeah, and they're like, wait, what is that? What, like, what's going on? What are you doing? And then there's also this like expectation of, well, how do you not know what Thanksgiving is? And they're like, oh, well, do you know what Ramadan is? And you're like, oh. right. <laughs> or, or mine, I can tell you mine. And I, I think I mentioned this to you last week or the week before. Um, I did not know what Kwanzaa was. Like I literally, I, I, did, I researched that and actually wrote a um, blog post about it because I was like, I've said it. I know that it's something about African-American and the African-American experience, but I don't really know what it is. And so I did some research on it and coolest thing ever, by the way. Um, so same thing. like people will say, oh, Hanukkah is the same as Christmas. No, Oof, no. And Kwanzaa is not the same as Hanukkah and it's not a religious holiday. Like it's part of the education process yes. of, letting people know, I think you set the tone 
starting mm -hmm. with those types of things days i always look at days off i think it's important and i think it's also very ironic that the first thing people do when they start work you know they want to know where <laughs> here's when you can leave <laughs> am i gonna get the f out of here um they want to know that from the beginning that's a very important one the second one of course mm -hmm. well is benefits yes it's how they word benefits and what you know do they have domestic partnership and adoption and people who are doing transition. <laughs> Sorry, my son. So when they are transitioning genders. Um, all right, I'm gonna let Jackie beat TJ for a moment. Well, <laughs> just kidding. Um, our, our sweet, our, my sweet nephew TJ is asking Jackie a question. So while that's happening, I'm gonna keep going. So yeah, benefits, I think is such a huge one because it is, it sets the tone. And to your point, this is one that always gets me is in handbooks when it's listed as he or she can do X, Y, and Z versus they, or, you know, using kind of that non-gendered pronoun just so it is inclusive. And, and it's stuff that again, if you're not in this world, it wouldn't even register for you and not because you're a bad person, just it's not something on your radar. And so looking through that lens of inclusion is always so important. And so, yeah, the, the benefits one, I always kind of, when I start talking to the person, whoever is leading benefits for an organization, talk to them about like, just tell me what you have right now. Yes. And then let's talk about what needs to be added, what needs to be stopped. Um, all of those things, because I think there's so much, like you said, domestic partner benefits. Like, I think that's one that is kind of a no brainer at this point, but I think there's a lot of companies that they don't even know why they like we just said that and that's the assumption that everyone knows why would domestic partnerships be important well if you have a same-sex couple you want them to both be able to enjoy benefits as any family would that's in a um different sex uh relationship so like being thoughtful about that and making sure that you're being inclusive the other one and this is one that um i know i, I mentioned to you a, a minute ago before we started recording and it's one that actually came to me from a conversation that I had um, with my former chief people officer, but he was talking to someone who was going through a gender transition. And she basically said, you know, laser hair removal is such an important one. And, and it was like one of those like, oh my goodness, I, again, because I've never gone through that, it wouldn't have even occurred to me that that would be something that would be important to someone that, you know, you want to represent the gender that you are and you want to look like the gender that you are and so like some of those things that seem like oh, okay why would that be a thing or why would that be important but it is important so yeah i think benefits is such a big one too what is kind of disheartening is benefits start in hr so it really kind of tells you about the tone that's already been laid out for the company, either from top down to HR or from somebody who is clueless in HR, which we know happens, right? Um, and some people do, especially, you know, I live in the South-ish, I live in Texas, which is its own problem. But like people will say, this is the part that gets to me is that when people say my religious, background will not allow me to accept various rules, regulations within processes. Like it's important. I think that's why it's so important to start with benefits. It kind of helps you set the tone and know where people are at. When you start mm -hmm. telling people, these are the things just to do a, a pulse point, a survey, 
we're looking at changing our benefits. We want to be more inclusive. Are there things you want us to include um, and see how people react to that can kind of let you know the company culture that you might not be aware of as well. Yeah, I, for sure. I think the one that I saw, and this was now, this has been a few years ago, because I think a lot of companies have jumped on this. Um, PayPal had a few years ago, they had a flyer that they gave out during their onboarding, you know, new hire onboarding process. And it was basically that they covered adoption, as you just mentioned, but they also covered IVF and um, surrogacy. So that, you know, any, any type of family could, you know, have a child. However, they decided to bring a child into their family, they were covered. And it was just like, that was such a cool one for me to see like, wow, they actually have thought through this. And so like your point is so valid because one of the other things I would say in regards to benefits is have some sort of committee and you can use your employee resource groups. You can use a lot of different um, folks that might be interested in helping with this to be able to say <clears throat> from a diversity perspective, and I, that's why I like using ERGs or employee resource groups, hey, what are things that we haven't thought about because we haven't had the experience or because, and, and I think that's, I wanna be thoughtful about this one too, because I think there are people to your point that are like, yeah, I can't do that because of religious beliefs in the HR world. But I also think there are people that are just like, I didn't even think about it. I didn't know. And, and I could say, I probably have been guilty of this myself. like just not knowing the why and then, and going, oh yeah, that's not a big deal. But then once you are like, well, no, actually it is a big deal for this group or for this population and being really thoughtful about that. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. I'll tell you what, there's a trans one that gets to me because I saw this the other day and it was looking at, I'm always, I, I don't know, maybe it's like a hobby of looking at benefits <laughs> and looking at, um, uh, bylaws when it comes to like other groups. Um, but I, I was looking and it was saying that they would offer to the woman, it said specifically the woman to have like uh, three months vacation, maternity leave, right? And then it said, and two months to their partner, right? They were trying, however, a mm -hmm. couple right. things there. One is and I learned this um, in teaching another organization. It doesn't, you can't assume that the, the woman is going to be having the baby. Hear me out. You have a couple, maybe it's a trans couple and the father is having the child. The father needs to have that three months off. And because of the way that it was worded, the trans, um, female, the trans female would, would be the one that they would be asking, even though the father was the one that was carrying the baby. Like mm -hmm. it just was a word choice. Like right. I thought that they were trying cause they were like, well, we gave, we said partner and we gave half time off yeah. Yeah. without realizing, like you were saying, oh, I never thought about it like that mm -hmm. because we don't think about it when we think of traditional, what we would think of what we will call traditional benefits packages, not saying right, right that they were right. right. That's the way so, it and I, has been. Yeah, and I think it's also, I mean, we could even step back from that. 
And so many companies still have maternity and paternity policies, which yes. again is an assumption of a, and I'm using air quotes, traditional family, which isn't great. But then it's also, okay, so then companies shift to parental leave. So it was, hey, you know, whoever is having the baby, maybe they get an additional time off because like just from a healing and, you know, health perspective, but overall the parental leave is X. Um, one of the things that I've seen is companies that have actually split up that parental leave. And I think this is a great one too, because you might have a situation where, hey, for the first month, one of the partners wants to stay home and then they, you know, switch off so that they can have coverage for the baby for like, you know, the first six months or whatever it might be. But then they can also decide how, like, when do we want to take this time? It might not be the day the baby's born. It might be longer. And, you know, I think even in a male, female relationship, if they're adopting similar situation where, you know, no one has to physically heal, but they're, I mean, just, I don't have any children, you know, like the lack of sleep, the, <laughs> all of the things that, yep. that parents go through, like it's important to make sure they're okay and that they have time to pause and understand who's this new little, you know, creature that is running our lives. <laughs> right. Like how about it's just, I need this time off. If a child comes into your life in any way that it gets there, you can take up to three months off. Yes, exactly. Which is great. I mean, and, and especially, I mean, you know, we just, I mentioned global. If you think about where we are in the U S versus where so many countries are in regards to parental leave and even, you know, taking that one step further, one of the things that was happening that I actually was, uh, having conversations at one point with an organization in DC that focuses on this and it's family leave. And it's something that they're trying to, I think, get kind of back on track with this new administration where it is also for folks that have to stay home to take care of their parents, yeah. their aging parents. Cause it's, again, we're thinking about families in a lot of different ways now, and it's just so important. So benefits, being thoughtful and being inclusive, asking folks, you know, to come and sit around a table and go, what have we not thought about doing a survey, whatever that might be. I think that's huge. The other one I'll call out for onboarding, your leaders must be involved. And whether that is a pre-recorded message, whether that is they come in person, which is obviously the, what would be great, but also knowing we're in work from home times that, you know, having some sort of message from the CEO, from some of the senior leaders, something that I, I loved and I have seen it now at a couple different organizations is they have, you know, the CEO come in and he or she has, I just did it myself and what, and whoever the CEO is comes and talks about the organization and that kind of thing. But then they also have someone from like the product team come in and talk about their products and what do we do? Um, and having some of those things where it's not just, Hey, you're going to come in on day one. You're going to fill out that stupid HR paperwork not that it's stupid, but it's not fun for anyone other than those in HR. Um, but then also then you're going to go off and go with your team into the wild and there's nothing else there. And so then people are like, well, tell me what this organization is all about. And I think to your point, we've all been there when it's been a horrible situation. So what else would we recommend that would be good? You know, I, I think especially because you're remote and resources are hard to find, and, you know, you get on a company SharePoint or Shared Drive and you can find policies for years and not mm -hmm. ever know which one is, is yours. Um, and I think especially coming out of New Year's Eve and New Year's Day and um, 
we've been listening, you know, I've started in a new organization and it felt like, you know, in an office, usually it's like half staff always during the holidays. Mm-hmm. So we were at work and we're all remote and I'm also two hours two hours different than the majority of my company. And I was like, do we work today? Like, I didn't even know, like on New Year's Eve. And I was like, I don't know if anybody, why wouldn't? And then I was like, what if I just decide everybody's taken off and I take off, but really they asked off and I didn't. <laughs> and I was like, no show. <laughs> I was here. In the general channel, I was here today. Like just in case, it's so right. paranoid because you don't want to do, you don't want to do anything wrong. And you don't want to also, you don't want to seem stupid. That's why Mm -hmm. it's important to do all of this stuff up front and to try to think about these types of things. And, um, we, I have never heard of a company do a post onboarding. People are doing it more now. Like, did we onboard you right? Like a year later? Yes. Did we give you everything that you, that you needed? Yeah. And I think it also goes, that one is such a great one because like, I have always recommended like the onboarding buddy, and it's for like the, the, the questions that you don't want to go and ask your leader, like, Hey, where are the staples or like, Hey, do right. we work on new year's Eve? Like those kind of questions that you're like, there's no way in heck that I'm going to go ask my leader this, but I can go ask Bob in accounting. Cause he's my buddy, you know, like, so like, that's the type of stuff too, that it's always good to have like, um, you know, a, you have the cohort, whoever's starting together, but then you also have folks that can be like the answerer of the thing, um, which I think is great. Um, so. I think all of those, like from an onboarding perspective, those are all important. And then, you know, I want to just switch over to comp for a moment. And that this kind of goes back to recruiting. And we've talked about this kind of surface level. Um, another part of that inclusive culture is just thinking about compensation. And so, you know, when I am working with an organization, it's, we do like the comp equity, we start to, you know, dig in on, you know, where are we today with current employees? But I think there's also a lot to think about for before they start. And so, from a comp perspective, I, I think one of them that is so important to me is like having the salary listed on the job posting. Like, yeah, and, and it's and it's one that people are so uncomfortable with. But if you really want to be thoughtful about pay equity and be transparent in pay equity, you've got to do it. And it could be a salary range. It doesn't have to be this is the exact number. It could be a range. I, you're right. And I think it should be, I think it just should be flat out the salary. Like the salary is the salary. Like they right. do in some org, like the military, it's like, this is your rank. This is your salary period. Like this, this is the, pay grade, the yeah. way it goes. Yeah. Um, and bringing everybody up to, up to speed. If you haven't done um, a good job of it, I've, right. I have been lucky in that I've had a, an ally, a comp ally. Yes. Yes. That's like, you have to pay Jackie the same amount just to maintain our friendship. Like, right. like she will find out not because I am nosy. It's just that things come up in conversation. I feel like it would be so easy for companies just to make it, uh, just to say, this is what we're paying people. Mm-hmm. And if you don't like it, you can go someplace else, but we're being fair and equitable. And these are the things that we're going to give you. And it would be easier for companies to be able to do to, to see how much money they're going to be earning and how many people they need and what kind of people they can hire. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. From a budgeting perspective, it's great. And I, I also think there's, you know, I have been on the other, and I, you know, the joke of always, you know, recruiting says we're not a part of HR. And, you know, I've had that. <laughs> I've had some of those conversations in my career, <laughs> 
Um, and it always is, you know, it's kind of funny because you have those recruiters that are like, oh, well, no, 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 this is like a unicorn. And so we have to pay him or her, you know, 50 bazillion dollars over what everyone else is making and this and that and the other thing. And you're like, but do we like, and, and I think there's some things, yes, of course, there are those exceptions, but that should be the exception, not the rule. And it usually is, unfortunately, the white male who is like, oh my God, this is the greatest white male that ever was born on the planet ever. And you're like, okay, well. <laughs> but it's white male over here. <laughs> right. But that next white male that I need to hire is rain. also, Make right, right. it rain. Right, but you, you start to see like how like pay equity becomes an issue because you do have those discrepancies. And we in HR, yes, I'm including recruiting when I say that, do it to ourselves like it's our own damn fault and we make it an issue that it's hey how do we become more equitable and so just being thoughtful about that so i think pay is such an important one but then you know ongoing conversations about pay are also important why do recruiters think that they're going to get like a bonus on how much they didn't pay an employee amen right like i they think it's like going to go to their bottom line somehow I got this data scientist for 80k yeah, and you're like, okay, but that's not great. Right. How much should you be paying that person? It's not an option. <laughs> or is it? Or is it? Yeah. Depending on what company we're talking about, it might be. Um Maybe. so yeah, no, I think that's such a valid point. But then I think this goes to kind of the next step in the career development and career aspirations and and comp kind of walks hand in hand with that because I think the other part that we always talk about is like. What is that career path? And I joke with leaders, like they should be having a career pathing conversation in the first week with the person. And every manager looks at me like I've lost it. And I'm like, well, here's the thing. That is such a lever and such a driver of engagement for people because they want to know what's next. What can I do next? Where can I go next? And it might be, you're not going to go anywhere for three years, but having that conversation to at least know I've thought about it as a leader or asking the question, what is your career aspiration? giving them that space to think about it and know you can do that here or you can't do that here. Yeah. You're only going to be here for two years because this is as far as we can go with you. That is, and I just wrote about that. I was writing it specifically about people ask me all the time about diversity outreach, which is hilarious to me. Like, how do we talk to black people when we try to recruit them? Which is funny. Like, I don't know, be nice. I don't, like, I can't. They are humans. So as a right. human, I would talk to them as another human. I was like, P.S., here's my secret. This is how you should be talking to everyone who comes into your organization. And it, one of it was telling them, like, what is your career path? What can you offer? What do you see in someone's background that you think is important? And it, and it just made me think about how far off the rails we've gone. Mm -hmm. um, and because it used to be the personnel office, and I say this in probably every fourth podcast, is that it came into a policing organization in human resources rather mm -hmm. than actually trying to nurture our employees to be there. And it's also part of the reason why HR simply doesn't get invited to the table because they're not necessary unless there's a tragedy going on at a lot of organizations right. or if we're trying to save money on benefits. And it, it needs... HR, people say put the human back in HR. No, put the resources back in HR because we're not looking at the, the whole piece. We're not looking at the whole human in the first place. So it's like, oh, you, 
if you're acting the way you normally do, then it's not going to help being more human. It's about bringing those resources, which goes into what can we do for our team? And another important part is like we I, going back to onboarding is mental health options. Mm. And it would be great. I would love an organization. And maybe if you know of an organization that does this, let us know in the comments. But to say, look, by the way, this is a tough environment. We're, very, we're trying to reach these goals. We don't want you to get burned out. These are the signs that you get for burnout. If you feel like you're getting burned out, this is what you can do. You can always, you know, raise uh, your hand to say, I need time off and to encourage people to do that. Um, I think most of us, if you're as old as me and Katie, have had a point where we've had 11. <laughs> have had I'm say, 11. <laughs> you know, like Stephanie, you have to take a lunch. Yes. Stephanie, you have to go home. You're not in any trouble, but we need you to go home. We don't want you to come in here early and we need you to take at least an hour lunch. I have never, no one has ever said that to me. Um, it's so, so when I take a lunch, it's like two hours. And if I don't take a lunch, <laughs> I'm just not going. That's just the way it is. So it's funny that you say this because I kind of, I figured this out not early enough in my career, but earlier in my career. And it was like, I could tell when I was starting to like spin out kind of thing where it was like, a, and, and I am that person that it is a, okay, take Thursday and Friday off and just make it a long weekend or take Friday off and make a long weekend and just unplug because I am totally that person that I'm going to work until I start snapping at people and acting inappropriately, <laughs> get all fired up about nothing. Um, so yeah, I am that person. I am Stephanie. That is told by my bosses. Go take the day off, out or we're gonna push you out. <laughs> right. You're not gonna be here, you right? Don't have to go, go yeah. Just but can't, can't stay, stay here. here. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Um, so, and I think so. Yeah, all of those things I think are so important. I think even like with the mental health, the other one is. I think so many times we do have like the EAP or Employee Assistance Program overview with the new hire onboarding. But we don't really, to your point, go into like, what does that actually mean? What are the things available? And I have been lucky enough to like work closely with some of the EAP teams in different organizations. And you start to ask questions about like, what else do you offer? What are some things we could add in? And especially right now, you know, with so many people working remotely, the mental health conversation has been heightened. Um, and being able to say, what else could we offer our employees that would be a part of the program? So yeah, I think that's another one that's a great one. Okay, so we have talked about kind of benefits. We talked about comp. And I think the, the, the last one within this kind of part two is as a leader, what do you do to have an inclusive team? And, and how do you run an inclusive team? So, hey, everything's awesome. Your recruiter has found you some amazing talent. All of them are diverse and you have representation from underrepresented groups, you have just awesome people that are ready to innovate. Now, what do you do as a leader? You expect conflict, start with that. <laughs> and don't rush in to fix it mm -hmm. because that it's supposed to be there. Right. I will never forget, true story, story time on <laughs> the podcast. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I was at home for four years raising um, Hannah and sweet baby TJ and went to work. First of all, when I first went back to work, didn't realize 
how I had changed. Now I was mom Jackie and I wasn't just, so it's kind of like this defensive bear that I didn't even know that I had. Like I was really mm -hmm. protective of myself, of my children's mother, which was me and protective of the things that were happening and affecting me. And I didn't get along with the person that I had to work with. And this was um, at an organization where I was recruiter and the other person was the account manager and we worked together in an agency. And I will never forget our, our boss took us into the office and said, just clear the air. Jay, I'm not going to fire you. And Jackie, I'm not going to fire you. And she was like, both of you in the last week have asked me to fire the other person. And I'm not going to do that. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain -brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast. And we were both like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like we really hate each other. And she said, this will be the closest relationship you will have outside of your marriage. And y'all are going to have to figure it out. Mm -hmm. I'm going to let leave you in here. And she left. And I remember thinking like, he, he just left me with this person who hates me and told me I was going to have to figure it out. Yeah. Um, flash forward. We were like, okay, so we have to work together. Um, it did become the closest relationship that I had outside of my marriage. We went to each other's. I followed him to another company. We worked together for, I think, like five or, or six years. Um, it was very close. And it was always funny because he always picked up my phone call. That's how it got. That's how I knew we were on the same page. He would pick it up like, I'm in the pool. <laughs> like, what's going like, why are you calling? There's a fire in my kitchen, but I answered for you. <laughs> now, that's right. Because we respected each other and worked together. We were not friends, right? So if a phone call happened, something was going down. And I say that to say, that's what happens like in these diverse teams that you get that do not necessarily like each other you people are very heightened aware that we're having to work together on these things and so you're quicker to get to these solutions even just because i don't want to deal with freaking mike and the faster i can get to a solution the faster we can get off this phone call and i don't have to deal with mike ever again now you go to those mutual admiration societies and they have an hour meeting and they say nothing gets said we'll just meet again tomorrow right because mm -hmm. they're best friends people don't understand the conflict that is absolutely gold in diverse teams it is what is building the innovation and it takes a full year that's what i always say at least a year before you have this hunker down cohesive team that would you know ride or die group of people where they start having they don't know anything about each other so they're spending the time getting to know each other and trying to work to get, learning how to work together whereas if you have everybody loving each other they don't take the time to get to know each other and then it just blows up random and there's mm -hmm. they, it's almost impossible to pull back you know yeah i i i, I love that because i think the other thing that i would add and i've been guilty of this myself is 
as a leader, also acknowledging that the people you don't like on your team are one of your best assets. And what I mean by that is, yeah, yeah, because you have these folks that you're like, oh my God, they totally get it. They're totally in sync with me. And God, they're so smart and they're amazing and they're the best. And then the people that are like, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't jive with that. Or, Hey, that, that doesn't sound right to me or like push back on you. At first you're like these sons of guns and ah, you know, you get all fired up. But then when you like step back from it and go, why are they pushing back? And, and what am I not thinking about? I had a a woman that worked for me (laughs) and it was like almost comical because she was the, one of the most respectful people I've ever worked with, but she would come to me and be like, so about that thing that you talked about in the meeting, like, can we talk more about that? And not, and and she didn't do it in the meeting because she was like, so worried that I was like going to get upset because, you know, I'm the leader and she's worked for, and I'm like, okay, cut it out. Um, do that in the meeting. It's okay to push back on me. I'm not going to get mad. Like that's part of what I need to learn is that I don't have all the answers. And, and I might think I do because I think I'm the smartest one in the room. Sometimes I am not, I am probably never the smartest one in the room. You know that you're not. I know that I'm not. You are. So you can get through the meeting knowing full well. Right. Well, and I guess it's also the, like, I think this is the one that it took me a while to learn is I know a lot of things about a lot of things, but there's also a lot of things I don't know about. And so again, you know, the experiences that other people have had in the workplace, the um, maybe they have insight that they talk to an employee about something, whatever it might be. And so being able to like have those things that you have someone like, that's your best asset is someone that's going to go, yeah, Katie, nope, you're wrong. And here's why. And, and I think that healthy discourse is what gets to the best solution, not just the solution where everyone around the table, as you said, are like, yeah, yeah, you're great. You're awesome. This is the greatest thing ever. Um, and I think that's, that's something that we just as leaders have to be aware of is that you want the folks that don't agree with you because they have really, really good insights. And so work together because the tone police, can we talk about tone policing? Oh, Nelly Furtado. Yes, please. Just a little bit, a little tone policing. That is your sign. Like that is absolutely your sign. And I bring it up because when people don't feel heard or, you know, people can get animated or they can get loud or they can get, you know, angry, right? And people say, if you just calm down, like calm down, instead of saying calm down, it means I better listen. People are trying to tell me something that's going on. And I think that you see that a lot in diverse teams as they're trying to work through conflict mm-hmm. um, and understanding like let the team plan itself out but listen as a leader you have to listen to what's going on make a note um, and be there when to, to intervene when it's necessary but a lot of these things will work itself out and let you know if you need somebody to be on your team or if it's is it a person that's disrupting your team or just doing something that that you would do differently amen I think that one is huge. And I think the tone policing is also, it's one that I come from a very large family. I talk loudly. I am, you know, I can get fired up and, and that is, I mean, that's feedback that I've received throughout my entire career. It's like, you know, you need to approach things more calmly or yeah, you shouldn't push back on so-and-so because they're the big boss or whatever. And you're like, yeah, I'm never going to listen to that feedback. Now I have calmed down in other ways that 
if I'm hurting someone's feelings, if I'm saying something that is not productive, I need to shut it down, shut it down, Bobby Brown. But when it is something that is like, no, I need to get this point across. I might get boisterous about it because I'm fired up and I'm excited. And I, you know, want you to know, you have to know the thing. Um, and I think again, you know, I mean, this is something that women, of course, always get dinged on women of color for sure get dinged on. And I also think it's a, um, it's one that I've actually seen like veterans have also gotten dinged on. And it's one of those like, okay, this is how, like they're all about rank and order and here's how you talk about it here. And they're very direct a lot of times. And that can be seen as tough or rough or not nice to the other team members. And it's like, but is it really like, are they, are they saying something that's mean or are they just being direct in the way that they're communicating? Which is it? So I think all those are great tips. What is your um, one key thing that recruiters, leaders, whoever it is that's kind of working on creating an inclusive culture that they should be doing starting tomorrow, Monday? They need to survey and poll their people anonymously of what's going on. Even keep one, like not the the because we can't even do this anymore like the little box in the the uh suggestion box in the oh, brain, yes. <laughs> with the note cards not that um but keep something up when you when you see something say something and i think it's important to have uh, a, an inclusive environment um and allyship and when you get that read it and share feedback honestly and be more transparent um to, because you're going to have a lot of different opinions and a lot of people coming from a lot of different directions. You're so, I want to play bless you. It didn't sneeze. It wants to come. It's not happening. Um, FYI, Jackie and I both have COVID, I think pretty sure. <laughs> not really, but we, well, we've self-diagnosed that we either have point. crazy allergies are going on right now in both Texas and Arizona. So we're both, you know, uh, sniffling and yeah. sneezing all day no. long but no I great points great points and I for me it's the create a disruptive environment a you know a creative disruptive environment where people can come forward and, and share ideas and you're safe not just fail. listening yeah absolutely yes yeah, safe to fail absolutely because I think that's one that also um just creates such great things and drives such great innovation for a company. And that's kind of what we're trying to do here is create these diverse teams where they can make really cool things happen. So, all right, my friend, um, let's wrap up this episode. Thank you all for listening. Um, please, 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 if you could um, share a review, let us know how we're doing, what you, you know, what you'd like more of, what you'd like less of. The sneezing is probably what you'd like le less of right now. We apologize in advance for that, but Sorry, allergies, sniffles. sniffles, it is what it is. Um, thank you so much for joining us. This is Katie Van Horn. And this is Jackie Clayton. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Welcome change agents to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. 
We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change Podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.